everybody. Welcome back. It's been a while, but we're here. We got the uh, the original twosome, the dynamic duo, for another exciting episode of the Ohio WrestleCast. How are we doing today, Mark? I'm not bad. I'm doing great. I'm ready to get back to this. It's been I, a while. I'm excited. I've had people asking for some more content. I, I think we're starting to hit our stride. And as you can see today, we do not have any special guests. No. I uh, had a lot of fun with uh, Big Jeff Hughes for a couple episodes, and yep. then our, uh, our special uh, Pearl Jam uh, album review with Evan Wiley and Josh. I think those uh, that was a lot of fun. That but was a blast. T- but today, let's let's just get back to it. A couple of dudes talking wrestling. Yep, back to wrestling. Back to wrestling. Uh, before we get into today's topic, man, there's been a lot of you know. Well, maybe not a lot happened in modern wrestling because uh, we've been we started nah. off always kind of talking about today's product and uh, not. A, I don't know. You, you feeling kind of flat right now? Kind of watching today's product, like just a little bit. I feel like most of the most exciting things about today's product is stuff that's not actually happening in the ring. Not happening in the ring, and definitely not in the WWE ring. Uh, the All In Show is is definitely a that hot topic. Well. New Japan Pro Wrestling doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, but on the WWE front, you know, we have Money in the Bank. It came and gone. Uh, Alexa Bliss winning, cashing in was kind of cool. Good yeah. way to get out of the, the Rousey match without, uh, you know, losing her mystique. But then you had Braun Strowman winning, and it was uh, – I was talking to Jeff immediately. It's just, man, so predictable, and it's a guy who didn't need it. Everyone was saying he was going to win, too. Everyone. And Money in the Bank has been so much fun because of the unpredictability about it. You know, you figure Kevin Owens would be such a shithead heel to hold that briefcase, and you never knew when he's cashing in. Yeah. Could have been something different. And we also knew he wasn't going to cash it in that night because there was no Raw well, title match. That's just it. And the, well, who knows when the next Raw title match is? And again, the, the, the interesting thing is what's going on outside the ring. We don't even know when Brock Lesnar is uh, is coming back. There's the rumor they might not even be back for SummerSlam. Yeah, at this I saw point. that. Yeah. The, the one thing I was kind of thinking that's kind of cool with Braun Strowman is is that he's by far the furthest thing from a chicken shit. Whereas uh, might be one of those things where if Brock Lesnar's there, he'll just walk right out to him with his contract and being like, "All right, motherfucker, like, thanks for showing up. Let's do it." That could be kind of cool, uh, but. Other than that, uh, there's not a, not a lot of exciting action happening, both on Raw and SmackDown for me. No, not at all. Even, And I'm more of a SmackDown guy than a Raw guy, mm-hmm. too, and even SmackDown's kind of a dud. Yeah, Rusev is a normal contender, but I feel like just kind of, I think like everything's kind of killing time to get to SummerSlam. But even with that being said, I don't even really know where they're going for SummerSlam. It's no. Here we are at the beginning of July, and I'm not really sure uh, what direction they're headed. I, I thought for sure when when I thought Brock Lesnar was going to be at SummerSlam that uh, it was going to be Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar again. But now they're kind of pushing not Roman Reigns. Which is about as exciting as a fart in church anyway. Yeah. Right? You know, um, Last thing I want to see. AJ Styles kind of seems like he's treading water over there after the, the Nakamura feud, which I thought that last man standing match was very good. Oh, for sure. I enjoyed that. Uh, Definitely. But now, you know, we got Rusev in the main event picture, which is cool, and I'm kind of excited for the match. I think it would be a good uh Good mesh of styles there, but you, I don't really see them getting behind Rusev for a full title reign. But hey, they could surprise us. Yeah, absolutely right. But yeah, you, SummerSlam is the second biggest show of the year. Uh, with WrestleMania, you usually have a pretty good idea of how things are forming a couple months into it, and I have no idea. <laughs> no idea where they're going at this point. No, I hope I'm pleasantly surprised though. I hope bet so we too. Hope so too. We'll talk more about SummerSlam as we get closer, and hopefully we have some. 
some exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, we can't go without saying uh, how great NXT. And did you see the new, uh, the second edition of Johnny Gargano at and Takeover? At Takeover oh and Tommaso Ciampa. They they took the ring apart. You want to talk about telling a story, man? Telling a story with what they're doing. <sighs> I, I, I and I immediately went to the ring apart thing because I thought that was just perfect I, like i know it had been done before mm-hmm. but like i think people who don't really if people were watching that that weren't really into wrestling it probably put the reality of wrestling like way more into perspective oh sure 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 they, they see that like look dude they're landing on two by sixes yes and yes. with like this much foam uh, uh, on yes it. yeah it ain't, it ain't much you gotta know what you're doing on there to to protect yourself and what was cool about that is they opened up the ring Rel- I mean, it was still probably 15 minutes or so in, but it was relatively early compared to the rest of the match. Mm. And a lot of times when you see stuff like that, you see a table set up or a turnbuckle pad come off, and you're like, well, the match isn't going to be over until they use that, right? Yeah. Those guys were so good, they got to the point where, like, hey, maybe they're just not going to use that at all. <laughs> yeah, like, like the yeah, last and, minute is when they yeah, used it. Yeah, really. it was the very last thing. And that, and uh, But they told a story the entire time where you thought that match could have gone either way, could have ended at any time, and... That was a roller coaster ride. One of the best matches of the year. If you haven't seen that yet, NXT Takeover Chicago, check it out. Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, if you gave that a five star rating, I wouldn't argue with you. No, neither would I. I'd give it a five and a half. Even five six. and a half. We have our own podcast. We can do our own Meltzer ratings if we want to. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. Man, then talk about a good segue there, right? With star ratings, yeah. talk about a good segue because today's topic we thought would be a lot of fun. What we're going to do today, uh, we're going to talk overrated and underrated matches and uh you know modern day well not even modern day really as far back as the dirt sheets were started um a lot of matches were reviewed on star ratings and really it was an easy way to kind of look back and say oh this is a match i need to check out uh, dave Meltzer's probably have the most famous star system his five star ratings um where again you kind of look back at any old school review look at what the you know the smart marks or or the uh the journalists are, are calling you know what they find to be great matches and we were looking back and we've seen some that uh i don't know that we agree with Meltzer on we might feel that got slightly overrated <laughs> and yeah. we're also going to go back and look at some that are underrated and not necessarily just in the star ratings but just don't get talked about all the time as being great matches and matches that we feel that everybody should check out so uh, I think we're gonna start off. Let's 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 talk some overrated matches. And uh, I seen you did some research, my man. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I did. I I'm did. impressed. Um, so overrated matches, and, and to do this, we're thinking about matches that everybody knows, everybody still talks about, but maybe either don't hold up the test of time, or weren't as great as we once thought they were. Um, you want to get us started, Mark? You know, you've been you've been checking out some stuff. Well, I, I have a, a pick for most overrated out of all the ones I watch, but I have a. I guess I'll go ahead and throw out one as uh, an honorable mention. Okay, honorable slash dishonorable to go, mention. To yeah. go along with the five star rating, this is one that Dave Meltzer gave five stars okay. according to what I read. Okay. But I thought Bret Hart versus Owen Hart at SummerSlam '94 was overrated. It was cage match. It was a cage match. I remember the big blue with the big steel bars. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh, brother versus brother. Right. They were, uh, I also read someone in the comments of, well, it was a video I was watching, but someone in the comments mentioned that this was a time where blood was banned. 
So they actually had to compensate for not being able to, to, yeah, to bleed. Yeah, yeah. And they basically turned it, and I could even see it in the match as I was watching it. It looked like a sibling rivalry, which mm-hmm. is probably what they were going mm-hmm. for. Like two brothers, the way I compared it, it was like two brothers fighting in the room, just trying to stop each other from going to tell mom <laughs> you know what i mean well there was yeah, there was a lot of like going being really close to the cage door and brett literally diving well, the whole and grabbing match his was ankles just built about like i'm gonna get out no you're not like they're pulling on tugging on each other which yeah, man, that tells a story if you get out of the cage you win the world title no and if you look at it in the way of like two brothers having a sibling sure, like, it, sure. you can see that like i can relate to it having an older brother sure. you know what i mean but uh i want to go back to what you said though not having blood which uh they did they went in and out of having blood bands and I think they, I think it was, I don't really think they, they had a whole lot of blood until you got close to the Attitude Era. Yeah, uh, and, and in a cage match, uh, you know, and I'm I'm a guy that, and being in the business where I'm, I'm hot and cold on it. There is health issues with bleeding, of course, and, and, yeah. and for a while in the Attitude Era and the ECW Era, I felt like there was just blood for the sake of having blood, and it was overkill. But I, I do, I feel in a steel cage match, there should be blood. I mean, yeah. I really do. Especially if you go back to all the classics, some of those NWA matches and stuff, the War Games matches. Even then later when you get to the Hell in a Cell, which really is kind of WWE's take on like a War Games. There needs to be a bloodbath, man. I mean, yeah. uh, I've only been in one steel cage match in my personal career. But I made it a point that as soon as I hit the cage, as soon as my head hit the cage, there was going to be blood. Mm. I didn't want to have one of those matches where you're you're throwing each other into these this steel cage. I mean, and it's a legitimate steel cage by all means. That there'll be another story for another day. Steel cages hurt. Yeah, motherfucker. I imagine. Steel <laughs> they, hurts. They, it hurts. Uh, you know, I wanted I wanted to tell the story that that cage is brutal. So as soon as I hit that cage, I wanted to come up bleeding. So you had this match, and it was it was long, man. It was a long match, which I've yes. actually heard. On Bruce Pritchard's podcast, that the main event of the Undertaker versus Undertaker was supposed to be longer, supposed to have a better story involved. That wasn't a good match at all. Yeah. Uh, but Brett Noem went quite a bit long, and you know there was some heat over that. But yeah, so that match got five stars, which I did not know. I didn't know they got a five star. Like rating. I said, don't I, don't quote me on that. That's just what yeah, I read. Yeah. I don't know if, how they know or whatever, but yeah. that's, it was supposedly a five star match from Dave Meltzer. And you weren't feeling five stars at all. Now I was thinking maybe like. 3.5. Yeah, so a good match, but definitely not an all-time classic. No, and that's not even my pick. That's my, my runner-up. Oh, yeah? I think I think most of the matches we're probably going to talk about on these overrateds. I mean, they're overrated, but we're most of they're not going to be necessarily stinkers, you know, but we just feel like they're a little bit too highly regarded. So in this case, with Owen and Brett... By no means was a bad match. The work was good. It's it's Owen and Bret Hart. Yeah. But it was it was long. It was a long steel cage match, and if it's your cup of tea, you might like it more than somebody else. But, yeah, if, I, I wouldn't think it was a five-star match myself either. So, in that case, I would put it on the overrated list for myself, too. Mm. So, but that's your that's your honorable mention. You, yeah. you got one that you think... That, uh, and that, that's only... And, I, and I'll explain later why. But uh, I, I thought Hogan versus Rock at WrestleMania 18 was also overrated. Okay. Now, did you look up to see what the star rating was for that match? I did not. All right, you know what? The I only actually, reason I knew the star rating for the other one is because it was there when I, where uh, I was looking see, it up. I see, I see, I'm actually, uh, I got a pretty cool list here. We're actually listing every pay-per-view with just the star ratings. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, so so this is Meltzer's Wrestling Observer. He gave the Rocket Hollywood Hogan three stars. So okay. I don't. Maybe it's not overrated then. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't think anybody would go back and look at that match and say it was a technical masterpiece or yeah. it was, you know, 
uh, yeah, five star wasn't it wasn't Flair and Steamboat or it wasn't Omega Okada. Yeah, but the crowd was in. It I think was, that that match was all about I think the crowd. The reason it was probably overrated in the sense of where I was looking this up at is the fact that it was kind of like Rock versus Cena. It was built up. Sure. A lot. It sure. was made to be. I guess that wouldn't be considered overrated. That was overhyped. Well, and, and anybody in the business will say, hey, if you got the crowd involved, you know, that's that's what make the, makes the best match. And if it makes the most money, you know, so if they went in there and played a game of Chinese checkers and the crowd was going insane the way they were, you would call it a success. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as far as uh, I, now, that's the thing Now you go back, what, shoot, 15 years ago. Right. And you mm. watch it. It, it probably doesn't have the same effect as it did then in the moment. Yeah. yeah. To have Hulk Hogan coming back to take on, you know, arguably the biggest star of the, of the day. But, uh, the, and, and that was the point in time that the rock, you know, the rock was white hot, but the crowd was starting to maybe grow a little tired of a shtick. And honestly, it happened to all the top guys Yeah, with the exception of, I'd say Austin, but Austin had some heel turns in between. But even Hogan, you know, by the time 93 came around, they got a little tired of his shtick. They definitely got tired of his babyface shtick uh, in WCW. Then he had a very memorable heel run. Cena, I don't even think they let his shtick get started before they got tired of it. <laughs> and yeah. they started rebelling against it. Yeah. But The Rock, you know, Super Rock, I think people started to get tired of it a little bit. Hogan coming back was a, you know, called a nostalgia act. But it was also a time where the internet started getting smarter. It was a time where, you know, WWE had bought out WCW and ECW, they had owned it all. Yeah. So it was basically, you know, just their ice cream shop and they're gonna give you whatever ice cream, you know, that they wanted to give you. It, it was the beginning of, of like the dream match. Right, era. yeah, because they had all those assets at their disposal. Yeah. I remember the build up to that match. I think I remember Hogan Hall and Nash all laid out the rock with finishers. I'm pretty sure they friggin' ran his like uh ambu like the rock's ambulance over or something like that. Like they were Brutal, brutal, brutal heels, and the crowd cheered every last minute of it because oh, wow. because it was a razor's edge and a jackknife and a and a leg drop back in the WWF ring. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were excited for it, and then you got into that match, and it was supposed to be clear cut, Rocky the baby face and Hogan the heel, and it was not that way no. at all. No. Uh, yeah, I, I would just I, I'd probably disagree a little bit on that overrated because of the magnitude of the match, but it, you know, it's definitely not an all time great in ring work. No. No, it so was. Would you agree with that three star rating? That oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, at at least or at the most, I would think. Talking overrated and underrated is all subjective, you know. It really is. Yeah. Like it's it's all opinion. How we felt, yeah. You got a couple. You got a couple more notes there, man. What it, What else are you thinking? Let's let's. Well, I didn't watch every single one. Uh, sure. When you got here, I was watching Rock versus Cena, and I felt like that was another one, just a dream match, but not much happened. Yeah. Uh, again, that was well, what was funny about that was that the crowd was so hot for The Rock coming back. It had been a long time since he had been you know, part in that. In the time in between, he became a huge movie star, still is a huge movie star. Yeah. So they were hot for The Rock coming back. I think they were hot for The Rock to win, but by the time that match was said and done... Yeah, and then they did the same exact match the next year. Yeah, I was about to say that uh, the fact that they did it again only hurt it more. In I my think opinion. so. I agree with you there. I'm, uh, um, go, the go ahead, but I'm gonna pull up. Uh, I'll go for it. Pull up those ratings while we we look, see what Meltzer thought. I was just gonna say that the the thing about overrated matches is that they're 
they're hard because uh, most of these I was expecting to not be that good, and most of them I was like, I can't even say this is overrated. I enjoyed it. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to it's, it's kind of automatically half good because it's all it's overrated for some reason, right? right? Right. So, turns out most of the things I wrote down that as overrated matches turned out to be not so overrated. Yeah, I, I pulled this up right now from WrestleMania 28, which was the first Rock and Cena match. Meltzer gave it three and three quarter stars. Uh, so I think I might actually be on your overrated uh, uh, in agreement with you there. I I actually remember enjoying the first one, but I, I maybe it was just the nostalgia of having The Rock back. The Rock got the win. I think we all kind of wanted to see Cena get put in his place a little bit at that point in time. So the first match got three and three-quarter stars. Now, I remember really not caring at all by the next year. Hmm. And that one got three and a half stars as well. So I'm going to say both of those are, are fairly overrated. Cause For sure. They, they was a real basic format of, you know, big move after big move after big move, false finish after false finish after false finish. The first one, you do it, okay. You saw it. This, by the time the second one came, it really was like uh, Rocky 1, Rocky 2, which yeah. is different, <laughs> different out, same thing, different outcome. For sure. For sure. Ironically enough, Rocky. Uh, well, there you go, yeah. Uh, another one I had written down, which I actually watched with you when it happened, was Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, which I had a hard time <sighs> agreeing with it being overrated, and I watched it again. Yeah. And I don't think it's overrated. I don't. Okay, okay. Um, that one in there, as we talked earlier about storytelling, the, you know, the story involved, that was about the story involved. I don't think anybody was expecting Ric Flair at that age to have a all-time classic. Yeah. But... That you know, I think we all knew he was on his way out. Which of course, Ric Flair being Ric Flair, he did some stuff for TNA. Yeah. But uh, well, I think I think that ultimately hurt it in the end. That you knew the outcome going in. Well, not the outcome. We all knew he wasn't. Ric Flair wasn't going to win. But mm-hmm. I think him ultimately not retiring hurt that. That's true. When you look back in hindsight. It, maybe loses a little bit of its luster that it wasn't the last match. Yeah. It was the last WWE match, last match that means anything. Isn't that yeah. crazy? That was 10 years ago? That, that Doesn't is feel crazy. like 10 years ago? Yeah. Meltzer gave that one three and a half stars. I'm actually probably on pace with that. I thought, I mean, they worked their asses off. Sean was still incredible at that point in time. Mm. Uh, Ric Flair was, you know, thinking that was probably going to be his absolute last uh, hurrah, gave it his all. I remember Sean bumping his ass off to make that match. He did the uh, moonsault to the floor. I think he ate the table. Yeah. Um, Ric Flair bled one last time. Bled one last time. <laughs> Went crazy. You knew he would. You that. knew he would. There's just no way you're getting out of that without Ric Flair <laughs> yeah. getting some blood. Got to have, gotta have that white hair highlighted with that beautiful red. <laughs> <laughs> the crimson mask. Yep. Uh, I know that me and you actually uh, agreed on one. I'll, I'll start a couple that come to my mind, and that was, and, and I got some heat with our overrated, underrated uh, wrestlers before. So I don't mm. want this to be the Jared shits on Bret Hart podcast because that's absolutely not it. When we get into our underrated matches, we're going to be talking a lot about Bret Hart there. But my very first overrated that comes to mind immediately was uh, Bret and Sean in the Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12. And, and I remember it, you know, watching as a that kid. It's actually on my overrated. Mind. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it. And you didn't. Well, who's got an hour? No, and that, <laughs> no. but that's the thing. I remember actually getting that WrestleMania as a kid because um, it was a big deal. It was Sean's rise to the top. I think most people were ready for it. One hour was a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask, really, at any time. And uh, 
I remember honestly being a little bit bored with the match. I was excited that Shawn Michaels won by the time it was done. Yeah. But I remember being a little bit bored with the match, and I and then I remember once I got into the business and really getting smart to the business and knowing how great Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart both were, thinking this is going to be awesome. Watch two of the absolute best for an hour going at it. Yep. At WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, main event, heavyweight title, an Ironman match. Like, it's it's hard to watch. And now here's the thing. They, as everybody remembers, there was no falls in the hour. It went to an overtime. Sean won with a super kick in the overtime. They didn't really give you any good near falls in that hour. You never really felt like either guy was even that close to getting a fall. The work was good. It picked up. It's It slowed down. And you're not going to have a barn burner pace for an hour. Nobody is. I, I mean, I, I get exhausted thinking about wrestling for an hour. I get exhausted thinking about wrestling for a half an hour. <laughs> it is exhausting wrestling for a half an hour. Yeah, uh, and I you bet. pace yourself. But that being said, like, you never really, f- I mean, it kind of felt like neither guy was going to get a fall by about half hour, 35 minutes in. And then it felt like you were just kind of, of course, in hindsight, knowing that it goes the full hour without a fall. You kind of feel it, though. You kind of feel it even then, 30 minutes, half hour, or three or five minutes in. And they're just they're kind of just working towards that 60 without any anticipation of trying to beat the other guy. Like, mm. I just didn't feel like that was there watching that match. Now, in fairness, I haven't watched that match for probably about 10 years either, but I'm not really inclined to go back and watch it. It's, it's considered an all-time classic. And I've watched plenty of the all-time classics again and again and again. Sometimes you're in the mood to watch a great match, and you're just going to throw in Brett and Perfect from 91 because you know it's great. Yeah, I'm never inclined to throw that match on. So when it's talked about as an all-time classic, it just uh, doesn't hold up for me. That makes – I mean, I've, I haven't seen the match, so it's hard to say anything about it, but I, I would have to agree with you on that just because I know you know what you're talking about. <laughs> At least I pretend to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talk so passionately about it. I just believe you now. Uh, and the other one that I, I would uh, – absolute classic, which I also think got five stars, was uh, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon WrestleMania 10 ladder match. Um, which everyone thinks is the first – ever ladder match but i actually learned doing research for this but it, that it wasn't but no. I, I was gonna watch the first one ever it was uh, but, brett, uh brett and sean that was on a coliseum home video something like that yeah 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 there you first got ever it. Ladder ladder match, 1992. Yep. well there's a whole story about that i guess we can share it here because uh, i don't know it well I'm, I'm a nerd that listens to all these wrestling podcasts and reads all these interviews and all this but <laughs> Again, this is not the Jared Shits on Bret Hart podcast, but Bret is notoriously a bit of a whiner uh, in the business and notoriously takes himself a little bit too seriously. Even in his promos, he's kind of a whiner. Exactly. Now, in fairness, Bret brought the ladder match to the WWF. It was his idea. Um, He didn't create it, but he knew of it. They did him in Stampede in Calgary in his dad's promotion Mm. back in the 80s, thinking like him and Dynamite Kid might have had one, you know. Um, so he, he's the one who brought that to Vince's attention, saying this is a match that we could do. And he even said, I think me and Sean would have some awesome ones. So they did it, and they did it on house shows. It is on a Coliseum Home video, which I think is available on the network. Brett and Sean done the first ladder match in the WF in 92. So Brett brought that to him, and he said, yeah, like I just want to make sure that you know it's me and Sean or me and somebody because I think this is a great match, and blah, 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 blah. We'll come... 1994 leading up to Sean and Razor they had the whole deal where Sean got suspended I think for a drug test they crowned a new Intercontinental Champion it was Razor Ramon Sean's back saying no I'm the real Intercontinental Champion easy storyline so they each have a belt 
hang him up above the ring, climb a ladder, and get him. Mm. So Sean and Razor had that ladder match, and again, as until you did your research, you thought that was the first ladder match. I did, you know, right? Well, you know, instead of somebody, uh, somebody like us going, yeah, yeah, I brought that there, but those guys, they killed it. Good for them. No, Brett was pissed. Brett, was <laughs> Brett he? was pissed. I Brett, bet. Brett was uh, all, you know, that was my match, and blah 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 blah, and he's he's pissed about it, but. Uh, the, going back to the overrated, again, it's it's one of those things that then once the Hardys and Edge and Christian and the Dudleys got a hold of a ladder, everything else before it looks kind of <laughs> kind yeah. of primitive. So being the first that the first mainstream one, the first that we all know about, is something to be said, and it was a good match by all accounts. But honestly, if you want to talk into that underrated category, they had a rematch at SummerSlam 95 where they were both baby faces that I thought was better. I thought yeah. it was a better match. I thought the, the action was uh, even more intense and a little more innovative. Um, so, I, and again, I think only because it got five stars that I'm going to call on the overrated list. I don't think it was quite there. It is definitely good. It was definitely a, uh, a game-changing match because how many ladder matches have we had since? So for those reasons, it definitely deserves to be held in high regard. Yeah. For the match itself, I, I wouldn't consider it a five star match. I. What would you give it? Uh, I'd put it at four. I'd four? put it at four. Yeah, I, I really agree would. With that. I mean, yeah. it's a controversial thing to say, but I, I see your logic. No, for I sure. mean, go back and watch Com- it. Especially it, it compared was... to any ladder match, even a ladder match you'd probably see on a pay per view today. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I, and one more that comes to my head, and this is a uh, perfect time, and we didn't do this podcast because of it but it was uh 20 years ago where probably the most famous hell in the cell match took place mankind versus uh the undertaker, undertaker. yeah wait wait that was 1998 so what we pay-per-view was that I was king remember. of the ring was it it was wow. king of the ring 1998 wow. uh this one is it's tough to to fairly rate. You're call you're calling this overrated? That I'm much call, overrated? I'm calling it overrated. I'm going to pull wow. up the star rating. <sighs> Listen, I don't know. And maybe I'm coming from a, a place where being in the business, uh, you know, what actually makes a match, you know, what actually tells a story. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little snobbish. I don't All really right. know that I there was the story as much as it was – Mick Foley just being a fucking maniac, yeah. you know? I mean, if that's the story it was told, um, I got it up here right now. It got four and a half stars. <sighs> I think that's fair. You like, do? I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a five-star rating. Not not out of five. I'd probably give it a four to four and a half. So, I'm going to break it down in, into what makes a great match for me. I'm going to say this. I mean, the stunts, if you want to call them stunts, and, and Mick Foley would probably be upset about hearing that. It was a stunt. Being thrown off of the fucking cell was a stunt. Oh, no doubt. Now, is, that, is that being part disagree. of the story of how crazy and how determined he was? It just, I mean, and, and Jim Ross calling it is epic stuff. You know, falling through the cage, that wasn't even supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that was complete accident. Oh, wait a minute. What it wasn't? Got, no, we got chokeslammed through the cage. It's supposed to be chokeslammed on the cage. The cage so gave he, away. his body literally broke all those boards in the ring. Uh, the, uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, fucking that was, way. That was such a terrifying fall. That yeah, it actually. I even even you confirming it right now for yeah. me. I still don't believe it. Yeah, like, no, that was not not a planned spot. Wow. Undertaker uh, so, wrestled that match on a broken ankle, and then people forget there was like thumbtacks involved at the end. But that's the thing. Oh, yeah. is that I think that after the crazy cage bump, there was still quite a bit of a match involved. Oh yeah, the match went on for like another five or ten minutes, I think. And it wasn't even necessary. Like because that because here's the thing is. 
uh, even Mick like, Foley got up. Yeah, even like you're, you know, if you're talking about your movie and you get the the crazy epic climax scene, that's it, right? And then it's just, yeah. then let's just iron out the details. No, that was the beginning. Like, and so everything after that gets kind of cast by the wayside. A reason why I don't think it's necessarily a great match is because nobody ever thought for a second that Foley was going to win that thing. No, I mean, there was never even one hint at all that he had a chance to win. It was basically, look at this crazy motherfucker surviving, which that's a story, but. All right. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't. So if Foley won the match, do you think it would have been a five star match? No, I don't know that Foley necessarily needed to 4.5. win the match. I think it needed to. I don't know. That's the thing is, once that bump happened, which again was really one of the, like the first things of the match. Yeah. The that that's it. That's what everybody remembers. I mean, you remember falling through later too. But that's that's the thing is so you talk about those first two minutes and being a memorable crazy ass two minutes of course, mm. the match itself being one guy trying to beat the other, I don't think the story got told that well because it was it was just kind of a put fully out of his misery you know beat him already sort of deal and you still didn't even really get behind him where you wanted him to win and you shouldn't because he was the heel, that's the other thing the heel shouldn't have sympathy on him. Uh, You're right. If it was the other shoe well, on the I foot, mean, where Taker was, was Undertaker the, seen as uh, a face, a baby. Yeah, face? going into that match, Taker was definitely the baby face. Uh, Mankind, I think, was aligned with Kane, maybe Paul Bearer too. He was definitely the heel going in, though. It was, okay. and so yeah, if it was the shoe was on the other foot, I can't the, remember. The I Undertaker was it. his crazy, scary self heel, throwing poor old Goofy McFoley off of the cage, and yeah, you, and that's kind of. It's kind of how we felt watching it was like, come on, Mick, you can do it. But that wasn't the idea. He was a heel and nobody really wanted to see The Undertaker lose because he was the beloved baby face. Yeah. So we remember the, the crazy spots 100%. I don't think that necessarily makes it a great match for me. I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't give it a rating. I, I really wouldn't because I don't think it's fair to say it was a great match because I don't think it was a great match. I think it was crazy and it was incredibly memorable for a memorable moment. It's five stars for the match itself. I don't know. I don't know how to rate it. Do you do you think there's been a better Hell in a Cell match since? Abs- since? Uh, yes. Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. No Mercy 2002. Really? Yeah. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Uh, maybe 2000. I might have already yeah, seen Yeah, 2002. Because I think I was still watching in 2002 like but yeah, I don't um, know. When I think of Hell in a Cell, I think of that match. Oh, I think of Sean and Taker. I think Sean and really? Taker the first one is absolutely the what? best one. Um, and I think Brock and Taker is incredibly underrated. There is some. I mean, I think honestly, better matches. I think uh, this is going to sound like I'm trolling, but I think Triple H and Batista had an amazing Hell in a Cell match in 2005. Um, yeah, I, I really do. Wow. Uh, I think I, I, I think know. Taker and Triple H had a better Hell in the Cell match. I mean, this is what the match itself was, where it really uh, built the drama, where you really weren't sure who was going to win or what was going to happen. I think those are better matches. None are more memorable by any means, but the actual match itself. I, I see your I see your logic, but that I I feel like that match because of Mick Foley in general and Undertaker as well, but because of Mick Foley, that match is forever an iconic match. Like. It, it'll, that match will never be forgotten. And I think it, it at least deserves four stars. 
if not the 4.5? <laughs> I really don't know. It's such a, a conundrum for me on how to rate that star-wise. I wouldn't give it a 4.5. I, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't sit here and tell you that it was a dud or anything like that just because it didn't tell a typical story of a match. Not all matches have to have a typical story. I don't know what my rating would be, but I think if you're talking a four and a half star match, I just I don't think it's there. Right. I, I really don't. Come I can on. accept that. Can you? Memorable, absolutely. A great match. Not so much. No, you definitely could have said worse things. The other night, Jeremy Rogers tried to tell me AJ Styles wasn't the best wrestler in the world. Well, who did he say it was? He he didn't say. He just, you gotta have a he's just, just hating on him. See, that's just it. If you're just going to come in hating and trolling, you at least have to have an opinion to back it up to, to say why you, you don't think so or why somebody else is. Yeah, yeah. Like I, maybe, maybe he's not the best wrestler in the world. He's definitely in the top three to five. Did he not say he was there? I don't know. I tried to drop it because I was going to get You're angry. You're going to get angry. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't want to get angry talking wrestling. We want to have a... I mean, his favorite dude, he, he loves Dolph Ziggler, which I like Dolph Ziggler, but he loves him. Dolph Ziggler isn't on AJ Styles' level. No. 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 Get out of town with that. But I got off subject there. I just had to throw that out there. Any other overrated matches you want to talk about? Um, you, Actually, you... Like I said, I had Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels WrestleMania mm -hmm. 12 on here. I didn't watch it, but um, I was going to say something. I was like... Oh, you also mentioned you said that the Undertaker Triple H, um, the Hell, Hell in a Cell, Cell match was better than that, and I actually just watched that right before you yeah. came over here. And you're right, that was a great. It was a great, great match. match. I mean, it was wasn't much to it, but I saw what it was. It, it was called End of an Era for a reason, and they really played on that. Again, what was tough about those matches was is that you never really felt like because Undertaker streak was such a thing there, where mm. like I, I remember really. We're kind of sidebar here. I remember really thinking the only time the Undertaker streak was in danger was against Randy Orton because he was doing the Legend Killer deal, and that was a few years prior to that. Yeah, they could have. You you didn't know for all WWE could have pulled a fast one, but like we want to keep this Legend Killer gimmick going. Right, right. You you just you felt like there was no way Triple H would be the guy to break it as much as people like to think that he uh, has to be the absolute top guy and buries everybody. I like, wouldn't have doubted it purely for that reason. <laughs> I think, listen, a Triple H episode is necessary because uh, Josh and I talk about how underrated we feel Triple H is. Oh, Triple and, H. Uh, after Shawn Michaels retired, Triple H became my boy. Yeah. Like, I love Triple H. I, like, I always had mad respect. Even though you hear things about him and that him home, Mary and Stephanie, everybody knows the deal with Triple H. Sure. Show watches. But, no, Triple H to me is one of, he, he, he's a future Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah. And... Oh, God, one of the yeah. one of the best of all time. Even if he didn't run the company and can put himself in, yeah, he des he deserves it. I'm he glad I'm it. glad he wasn't the first ones in though. Like he needs to wait at least like another like. I'm glad he's waiting. He wasn't one of the first people in the Hall of Fame. I think that would have been a little cocky. <laughs> put him in every year. One year is himself. One year with DX. One year with Evolution. He's gonna induct every every version of the the Hunter Hearst Helmsley, even uh, <laughs> the French version of Hunter Hearst Helmsley yeah, that yeah. was in WCW. And then, uh, the, uh, well, he was like, uh, yeah, Jean-Paul Levesque. Some, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terra Ryzen. Get them all in there. No. Yeah, and then they made him, uh, what was it, uh, Connecticut Blue Blood. The Connecticut Blue Blood, yeah. Stole the gimmick completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, now you know we, we talked to Overrated, and again, the, those ones are a little bit stiffer because those are matches that are ingrained in everybody's minds. As, as great all-time matches. And, you know, we're, we're throwing some reasons out there where we felt might not be the case. Yeah. I think what will be a little bit more fun, though, is, is doing the underrated ones. Oh, yeah. 
doing some underrated ones, and we're going to do something completely different. Uh, we're each going to pick one match today that for anybody who is able to, we want you to, uh, you know, hit pause on the podcast when we tell you. Get the WWE Network fired up, and we'll tell you where to go. Oh, yeah. And watch along with us. Um, we're going to pull a Stone Cold Steve Austin today. Yeah, exactly. We're going to watch along. We're going to uh, pull up each, pick a match of our choice, something fun, maybe a match that you haven't seen before, and uh, introduce you to something new. Um, so as a matter of fact, we'll start this now. We'll, we'll give you guys a few seconds if you haven't yet. Pull up the WWE Network. And uh, I got my match already queued up here, so we'll start with with my choice. I'm going to choose a match from Vengeance 2003. And once you pull up your network, it will be the fourth match on the card. It's a tag team title match. This is the world's greatest tag team. That was Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas, going against Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman. Now, with those four workers involved thinking this should be a good match. And yeah. I remember 2003 is a, is a really cool year for me because that was my first year in the business. I, I debuted in February 2003. Okay. So all my wrestling, I started watching. I started watching from a different light. This was back in the day where we'd hit up B-dubs, really, to go watch all your pay-per-views, you know. And, and oh, I remember going and seeing this with a couple other uh, wrestlers and trainees from my wrestling school. Uh, so we're at B-dubs. I, was, I wasn't 21 yet, so I'm not even drinking beers. But I remember, you know, getting my food and BSing with the guys and all that. And this match came on again. Like, oh, yeah, this should be a good match. And then, man, a couple minutes in, my eyes were captivated. And, dude, this match ended up being incredible. Meltzer gave it four stars, uh, which I think is every last bit deserved. It's only a 13-minute match. A lot of times when you get your four or five-star matches, they're usually some 20, 20-plus-minute 20 classics, epics. Mm -hmm. This one is about 13 minutes, and it's just nonstop action. All right. So if you got it queued up, we're at actually 54.39 on the network, and it is the fourth match on the show, and I'm about to hit play. All right, I like this. Let's go ahead and do this full screen. Fuck it. Rey Mysterio. 2003, I think, was a uh, pretty cool time in the company because it – was really when they were starting to settle in with all the changes they had made. Mm. They had acquired WCW and ECW at the beginning of 2001. They did the brand split around the middle of 2002. Also changed from WWF to WWE at that time. Wow. So the brand split's about a year old at this point, and they were doing brand-exclusive pay-per-views, which seemed kind of crazy at the time. Uh, you know? The, you, you figure... So I was a... I'll go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I was a sophomore in high school. This is like right about the time I stopped watching. Like we're just around this time. So. You, you kind of started getting out at that time? Yeah. Well, while we got a Billy Kidman entrance, was just, which is not exciting, this would be a good time <laughs> to talk about it. What uh, what kind of steered you away? You're still in school. I, I think I, at that point they were starting to go towards the more PG type stuff. Uh, John Cena had come around. I wasn't a big fan of his. Like, yeah, I wasn't around for this. Last time I saw Billy Kidman, he had long hair. He had long hair and uh, looked like Scott Stapp, had the wife beater and the jean shorts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, dude, Billy I was Kidman? A big Billy Kidman yeah, guy. he thickened up for sure. I think trying to get in that WWE uh, mode. You want to talk a couple underrated dudes. I mean, Shelton Benjamin's still working to this day. Yeah. But, uh, man, this was a great tag team. And these guys were kids here. You know, they were both coming straight out of the uh, OVW school. Yeah, for sure. This wow. is when 
man, all that OVW class, they're here now. You got Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Batista, um, uh, who's Randy Orton. They're all they're all up at the main roster at this point. Uh, Lesnar, of course, got pushed to the moon. Cena was right in the middle of his Thug Life deal. He had a really good match with the Undertaker on this show. Did he? Where he was actually heel. Taker was doing the uh, the biker, big evil Red Devil uh, character at this time. They actually had a really good match on this show too. This this is a hmm. underrated show altogether for me. Cool. I'm psyched. I'm psyched to see it. Wow. Yeah, they were super young. Yeah, yeah, they're they're babies here. Uh, Rey Mysterio probably only on his fourth or fifth knee surgery, so then those knees are still pretty good right now <laughs> for, for him. Believe it. This is Big Pant Mysterio. I think he was always Big Pant Mysterio in, was in he? the WWE. Yeah, I think oh, in WWE. Was, yeah, yeah, WWE. Yeah, WWE. Um, he's a fucking unlockable character in the new. It, you game. know, you know what's something cool about Rey Mysterio is to this day, I have, uh, you know, I got twin five-year-old girls, as anybody who knows me probably knows, mm-hmm. and they like watching wrestling with me, but they've, you know, they've never seen Rey Mysterio in their lifetime, right? They're five years old. So that WWE 19 commercial comes on, they're showing some of the clips, and they're showing all the masks, and little Ellie, she's just like, who is that, daddy? I'm like, that's Rey Mysterio. Can we watch Rey Mysterio? Yeah. And I'm like. The power of the WWE Network, sweetie. Yes, we can. Hell yeah, we can. And you think about how exciting a guy like that is with the colors and the masks and the action. Here, we check this out once. Oh, shit. Yeah. You could almost almost tell. This is a point where, you know, Mysterio had kind of done it all in WCW. And see, I don't want to say he was ever unmotivated or phoned it in, but like there's a lot of times where a Mysterio match just felt like a Mysterio match. You can almost tell he was fired up to be working with these young guys because because Haas and Benjamin could go. Yeah. No, I'm sure he loved new talent, especially and, especially these guys. I mean, yeah, Kidman was you know a popular cruiserweight in WCW. I'll tell you, I I don't have a whole lot of memorable moments from him in his WWF run, but man, he was on fire in this match as we're. About to continue seeing. Hmm. I remember the name Charlie Haas, but I don't remember much about him. If you tuned out at about this time, uh, Charlie Haas didn't have much of a better run than this, unfortunately. No. Yeah, it was one of those things. I mean, he's a hell of an in-ring worker, but he didn't have the athleticism that Shelton did, the uh, the, the pop and the flash, mm. and, and neither guy is going to wow you in an in-ring promo, which, you know, as you know, even to this even today, even to today Shelton man, no good. No, and to, and to, today, to this day, you, you talk the people into the building. That's how you make your money. And if you can't do it, you're probably not going to have a prominent role in the company. Yeah. Well, you really haven't seen it much either. Shoot. Man. Man, he needs to come back. We don't have enough of that stuff anymore. <laughs> I don't know how much of that he can. Well, you know, the thing is, is Ray's earned it where he doesn't have to do it on a nightly basis anymore. He doesn't have to necessarily do all the house shows. And because, uh, I mean, you got to figure the way he flies and lands. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it obviously has been with all of his surgeries. It's been rough on his body. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that at all. I remember back when he unmasked. Oh, I remember what his face looks like. 
<laughs> if you listen to the Tony Schiavone podcast, he'll tell you every time how, how handsome of a young man he was. <laughs> <laughs> that was so crazy. I can't believe they did that either. Oh, man, that was a Eric Bischoff narrative where he didn't feel they were marketable in the mass. He wanted to market them without it. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure it got some eyeballs watching. It got me watching. Well, and the thing is, is that if you take the mask off, you could really make it mean something. I remember with Mysterio, it was just basically Kevin Nash being a dick. <laughs> it was yeah. just more to get Nash over as being a dick, beating Mysterio. Um, to Guerrero lost to Jericho, and Jericho, I remember, would wear the mask around, which was kind of cool. Whew, <laughs> some <bet>. elevation. <laughs> Do you uh do you remember when Benjamin and Haas debuted and they were Team Angle, kind of hanging out with Kurt yeah, Angle? Yeah, I do. Okay. I remember him kicking him out and everything too. Getting yeah, all well, Kurt, off. they wanted Kurt to turn babyface, so this is after that. This is WrestleMania 19 was earlier this year. Kurt had to miss time with that neck injury. He had a broken neck. Broken, basically a broken neck. So when he came back, he was babyface, and they wanted to keep these guys healed. So they split away from Kurt, formed the uh, world's greatest tag team, and they still had a. Pretty good run going forward. Hmm. I remember bits and pieces from uh, documentaries and whatnot. I I bet if we look back at underrated matches, they would uh, really dug deep in some research. You'd probably find quite quite a few Shelton Benjamin ones. Yeah. So I don't know too much about him. I know I'm not a big fan of him right now or any of the things he's done lately. Sure. Well, yeah, this match was 15 years ago. So you think it'd be like, oh, yeah, he's pretty athletic. Man, this is <laughs> yeah, 15 I mean, years after he was getting started. In, so. his, in his prime, essentially. One, two. Did you ever see the match with him and Shawn Michaels on Monday Night Raw? It was the classic one where Shelton came springboarding off the top. Shawn caught him in midair with a super kick. No, it, it's I have not. widely known as one of the best raw matches of all time. Yeah, you. Huh. I I think what might be a fun episode in the future, Mark, is to go back <laughs> to the era that Mark didn't watch and yeah. find all the great matches. And I mean, you're just gonna be hitting. A, we a can start a series, Mark a, catching up. Mark catching up. You're gonna have a smorgasbord of good shit. Yeah, because there's probably a good like. Now here's shit. the thing is, Eight I'm, or ten I'm years missed, I wasn't watching. I missed a lot of it too because this is you know I'm in my early twenties. Where, uh, you know, I did, didn't have cable, and believe it or not, a lot of times didn't have internet. Oh, yeah. Not everybody had internet back in the day, man. It was kind of expensive. You didn't have a computer. You'd... Now you can't live without it. Now you can't, Well, now everybody has the internet on any device possible. But back then, yeah. all right, here we here. Check this out. Oh. Shoo! Oh, wow. That was <laughs> That's some why Billy Kidman was on my underrated list. <laughs> Billy right Kennedy didn't create the shooting star press, but I think he was one of the first to really bring it to the mainstream. And of course, I mean, we know guys like uh, Evan Bourne, Matt Seidel, or M Dog, Matt Cross. There's, there's guys that have prettier shooting star presses, but woo! Yeah, that was nice. To the floor, and as we mentioned earlier, Billy Kidman isn't a tiny guy at this point. He's mm. he's definitely put on some mass. No, he and, bulked up a bit, and uh, <laughs> it's a big dude come crashing down like that. Ooh, that was a yeah, was close, close two count. I almost think he didn't even actually kick out. He just let him loose. Hey, the referees are told you count the three. Usually they'll uh, know you're finished going in, but hey, if you don't get up, 
They're going to count to three. You can't make the referee look stupid. No, it, you've seen it happen. Mm, into the Out of nowhere. So we're going to be talking about some underrated matches here, and I've seen some of your list, and I've, I did a little research myself. It's kind of looking up, you know, underrated matches on the network, and a lot of more matches where I was I wouldn't call underrated because I'm like, no, I know that match, and I know it's great. Yeah, this is a match that I don't think anybody ever talks about. Like it's just you know, it's just a middle of the card match in the middle of the year and a SmackDown exclusive where it wasn't a memorable. Um, you know, any sort of memorable outcome or anything like that. But, I mean, this is just one of those hell of a tag team match that, if you got 15 minutes to spare, you should watch. Well, I can see why. I'd say I, and I agree. I definitely never seen this match, never heard anybody talk about this it, match. Exactly. So I was trying to dig a little bit deeper for. Uh, this is all new to me right here. Matches that just nobody talks about. Man, bow and arrow lock. I yeah, gotta that, tell you, man, that takes some core strength to have a guy on top of you like that and keep your shoulders off the mat. Because that's the first thing with a move like that, you count the shoulders down. Yeah, I was about to say that's probably more work for Sh Shelton, Shelton than it yeah, was yeah. Kidman. Man, that was a that was a move where like we probably seen it in a video game, and uh, me and Josh in a basement match tried to <laughs> tried to do and can't really figure out how to do it. That and the uh, the old <laughs> Mexican surfboard. I mean, that was like the coolest looking move ever. But yeah, Mexican surfboard that always seemed in pot. Like you have to be I, a I've damn been, ballerina. I've been, I've been in it. Yeah, and it takes just a lot of core strength from both guys to make that move work. You couldn't do that to a big man. It's not comfortable, I'll tell you. Another move I don't think I've ever been in or even wanted to try was uh, Tajiri's tarantula, where he. Kind of climb over the ropes, hook their uh, arms with his legs, and grab oh. his, the legs with his arms like a Boston crab almost in the ropes. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. I gotta say, I, I miss the old school logo. It was much easier to draw. <laughs> Scribble shit. That's what basically they call it the scratch logo. Yeah, scratch. Ah, uh, look at that. Easy, just such an easy tag team thing to do. Right before you make the tag. Heel comes in. The referee doesn't see it. Mm. Oh, the crowd gets pissed. And then, of course, the double team on the other side. Just a Classic. simple, simple strategy. And then the one, two, yeah. So there's a lot of things that you can tell with the basic formula. I mean, right now we've seen two heats. Rey Mysterio is getting worked over early. Now it's Kidman. That's always a nice thing to do in a tag match when you have a little bit of time. You say, hey, let's do two heats. Let's, Because it's a good way to build that crowd up mm. and then bring them back down and build them back up again. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, that was a hell of a land. Because, again, in a match, you want to tell the story. So, you know, you beat down the baby face, and you just want to see him make that tag, the hot tag that come in, the house on fire, the crowd's behind it. Well, hey, you get a little bit of time in your match, do it twice. Yeah. No reason not to. And what's smart is that Ray was, you know, no knock on Billy Kim, but he was definitely the more popular baby face. So he'll eventually get his comeback second. 
looks like they might have forgot the spot the Ooh. first time, so they go back to it. Yeah. Building up that I'll, tag. I'll tell you, there's the hot tag, and here we go. Off the oh, nice. I don't that remember nice. him doing that ever. That was some good, like, camera angles and cuts, too. Oh, well, man, the WWF has always been second to none. On, they, they know exactly. And I, I'd even heard, too, where the producers want to get with the wrestlers, say, hey, what are you going to do? Where are you going to be? And this is how they know how to shoot it. Yeah. Because it's huge. I mean, just to get the perfect angle for everything. See, that, that was spot on, too. Like, they were ready for that one. Ah, that was nice. That was perfectly executed. I thought that was it. Shit. They got you. They got you sold. They did. Which, again, as if we go back to my discussion about Undertaker and Mankind, it's just I never, ever felt like Mankind was going to win the match. So, again, you you kind of you were excited to see what was going to happen next because of all the crazy shit. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I ultimately want to believe that either guy could win the match, even if it's an underdog story. Like, make me believe it. Yeah. Uh, that was strange. Yeah, yeah. Kimmon kind of rocked, couldn't get out. It, it's a weak excuse to have the referee's back turn, but, you know, you, you try to do everything you can to protect your referee. Yeah. Because in the tag match, it can you know, get hectic, and you always want to see all four guys kind of flying around because it's exciting. But you also don't want to make your ref look like a complete idiot, like yeah. where he just lets you do it. The first 10 minutes of the match, they're strictly enforcing the rules. Hey, get out by the five count. But for now, because it's exciting, eh. Yeah. So it might have been kind of flimsy to why his back was turned, but they tried. That's all the better the product. Kidman's sliding in. Oh, okay. Check this shit out. Nice. <laughs> For a second there, I thought they blew his spot, but no, there it was. There it was. Not. Oh, so they got me again. <laughs> got you again. They got me twice. And this is great on Mysterio Kimmins part. Both really selling the shit out of that, like if, because of you know, I mean they had you sold, but they now they're selling the audience again that they thought there's no way he could have got out of that. Yeah. Mysterio's like the perfect underdog, too. Oh, yeah. Again, Being so little. Easy story to tell, yeah. You see a blind tag there? and yeah. Oh! Nice. Nice. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I felt it. That was legitimate. Ah, uh, yeah. So that was that. Technically, that was three times they got me because I thought for sure he was going to break that up. And they caught him there just one, just a split second too late. So that was my, my pick for our watch along, folks. I hope everybody enjoyed. 
Uh, Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman versus the world's greatest tag team. Again, Meltzer gave it four stars uh, for a match, again, that didn't have any, you know, not a ton of buildup. It was just basically, hey, a tag team challenger versus the tag team champions. Basic mid-card match, really. Middle of the card, and those guys went all out. I, had a hell of a match. I agree. As, as I, I haven't heard anybody talk shit about that match. So like I said, I didn't even really know about that match until this moment, but... Knowing all that, I would definitely say this match was underrated. Well, there we go. Look at that. I, I agree. That was great. I, this actually made me like Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> really, they, they haven't been showing, I'm, I'm showing how great he can be. That is going to be the show. Is uh, so when, when did you get back in, Mark? What was about WrestleMania? 2016 Royal Rumble. AJ Styles came out number three. And Man, I was there, like, well, now I got a reason there, to, there's, to stick there's, around. There's way too much to cover in that era. But we'll find maybe like one great match from each year and have a fun like Mark catches up. Yeah, sort no, of show we can do that's probably that's probably a good eight to ten years of catching up so there's eight <laughs> episodes right there you can make it a little mini series I, I think it sounds like a lot of fun for me i'm gonna have some fun digging into it saying hey did you see this match and you're gonna say no i'll no. be like oh shit some of them i might have saw i did watch i did youtube quite a few different matches before gotcha so, so you see probably all the classics where you hear like oh you got to see this but yeah yeah but something like this completely under the radar yeah, man. Yeah, I never heard about this one. So let's before we pull up uh, your choice to watch along, Mark, uh, let's just kind of talk some more underrated stuff. Um, I know one match that you definitely mentioned, and I completely agree with you, is absolutely underrated, was Bret Hart and the British Bulldog from In Your House 95. December was, 95. December yep. 95. And it goes – I would kind of want to go on a sidebar where I think a lot of times there are rematches or sequels to classic matches that – really fly under the radar because nobody would ever call Brett Bulldog 1 from SummerSlam 92 underrated yeah. because everybody knows that's a classic. Actually, that's a note I wrote down. As I guess. Oh, you actually had it on underrated? Actually brushed I, aside because yeah. Brett versus Bulldog SummerSlam Oh, you pushed it aside. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it gets nobody would, because of that. Nobody would ever call it an underrated match. It's a great match. I wouldn't call it overrated either. It's, a, it's an absolute classic. We all know it to be a classic. Not a lot of people have seen or if they have, remember the In Your House 95 match where completely different story being told because you had a clear-cut heel and baby face yeah. in, in the second match. Jim Neidhart was in the crowd, like, mm -hmm. heckling mm -hmm. essentially the whole time. like Brett getting that blood in the... I mean, and you mentioned there's a couple spots where... Brutal. It was brutal. And you had a clear-cut heel and baby face. And th this was a match where going in, I think Brett had just started his title run because he beat Diesel at Survivor Series 95. Yeah, this was a title match. So you're kind of going in thinking, well, he means the British Bulldog. Like, it's just a guy for Brett to beat. Yeah. But boy, by the time that match was rolling, you thought, maybe not. Maybe this is the time Davy beats him, man, because uh, Davy beat him at SummerSlam 92. And you're thinking, maybe Davy, ha Davy has his number. And Brett mm. bleeding you know, buckets in that match. See, the, the blood thing with Brett was weird, too, because I, I noticed that uh, – because Cornette was with Bulldog in this match. Right. And he, I actually remember he had a, a Santa Claus cover on his... Because <laughs> it, it was December. Tennis racket. Yeah. Old Corny being festive. Goddamn! And I think... Goddamn Santa Claus, motherfucker! <laughs> and he cut a hell of a promo right before the match, too. Oh, Cornette's a fantastic promo. We, we don't want Josh and Jeff turning off, but I could talk all day about how great oh, Cornette and the Midnight Express were. We're not doing that today. No worries. But, uh... I think Brett was supposed to bleed when his when he was thrown into the stairs, the steps, okay. the steel steps, and uh, I I think because they build gave him a little bit of time to like I would assume to cut himself, uh -huh. 
and uh, nothing really happened. Like he didn't really bleed. So then Bulldog picked him up and actually slammed his back into the 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 ring post from the outside. And then you hear Jerry Lawler. I think I actually wrote this in my notes. Jerry Lawler said that he hit his head on the ring post uh-huh. to kind of sell the fact that he was bleeding from it, but he didn't. Right, right, right. And you could see Brett in the corner on the mat outside, uh, like just kind of crawling. I was like, all right, he's got to be cutting himself again right now. But you see Bulldog walk over to Cornette and Cornette's looking at Brett and you can tell him like kind of calling, not really calling a spot, but it's like, I don't think he, right, right. maybe giving him his minute. Exactly. To get, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were almost doing it again. And, and that, uh, then uh, all of a sudden ooh. they cut back to Brett and there's literally puddles uh, yeah, of blood he, all he over got the it. Mat. That was probably also an era where they weren't allowed to bleed. And if, and did you read Bret Hart's book? <laughs> I did not. It's a it's a long read, but it's a great read. I mean, he mentioned in his uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper match where he got blood, and he they weren't allowed to. That was just me at eight ninety two, where he kind of convinced Vince that it was an accident. Uh, and then also the Austin match at WrestleMania 13, which will not be on an underrated uh, list at all because that is a Never. fucking classic, <laughs> yeah. and everybody knows it. Um, that. It's it's well documented at this point that Brett felt the match needed blood, you know, because they wanted Stone Cold passing out in the sharpshooter. Yeah. He felt the blood would put over the top. He was absolutely right. For sure. But he also said that they kind of did that behind Vince's back. He said, if uh, if we get heat, I'll take the heat for it. So I'm imagining that this match, they were probably not supposed to bleed either. He probably tried to convince Vince that it was hard way. Uh, however, they did it. And again, we talked about blood earlier. The blood added to this one. And that was a match that was on a, you know, the In Your House reviews weren't one of the big shows. They had a monthly. I remember that being yeah. in Hershey, PA. It was very close to where I lived. I actually had some friends that went there. Oh, shit. And, uh, but it was, it was a December In Your House review in between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. So it was just kind of that, like, you know, we just got to kill some space here, right? And hell so, did they kill some space. And yeah, so one. not a pay per view that they presented as a must watch. But now with the power of the network, go back December 1995. Watch that Definitely match. Definitely watch it. Like I said, there's, there's, well, I didn't say this, but I said it earlier, but there's two instances in which, actually three if you really think about it, where I thought Bulldog at least broke his neck or was going to die. Yeah. Probably five to ten minutes into the match, Brett gives him a pile driver where it looks like the same thing happened to Bulldog that happened to Stone Cold. Oh, with really? Is like his, his head just spikes into the match. Yeah. And then later on, he gets thrown into the turnbuckle. But when he gets, when Bulldog gets thrown into the turnbuckle, he goes in upside down. Kind of like the flare flip, but he doesn't go all the way up. And he slams into them turnbuckle, bounces off. He literally bounces on his head twice, goes boop, boop. <laughs> he is, he, his feet are above his head. That dude, had, that dude had traps for days. Uh, if he didn't have those, might have had a broken neck. <laughs> and then you have the big finish where it was just right after that head bounce mm-hmm. where he laid there for a while, and I was like, he might have just broke his neck. Give uh, him a minute. He gets... Brett gives him a suplex off the rope. He lands so hard that Bulldog actually, after he lands, he just goes... Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Brett rolls out of one, two, three. That's the end of the match. That match was Bulldog went through some shit in yeah. that match. Yeah, he so put his were, life on the line. Everybody remembers match. Brett bleeding, but in the end, it was the Bulldog really, uh, really getting the shit out of this thing. <laughs> oh man! Well, I wanted to bring that match up because I want to talk about those sequels, man. Like, 
Uh, Bret Hart, I mentioned it earlier, Bret Hart Mr. Perfect, SummerSlam 91 is a classic. It's a great match. And if you think about how good Bret and Perfect were in that era, of course it's going to be a great match. Yeah. But a match nobody really talks about is the King of the Ring 1993. Did you ever go back and watch that pay-per-view? Maybe. What match are you talking well, about? Well, you're a Bret Hart fan. You should go back and watch it because it was Bret's night to shine. He had an opening match with Razor Ramon. The second match was him and Mr. Perfect. Now, at this point, they were both baby faces. Perfect okay. kind of took over the role of the heel in the match a little bit. But that match, it didn't have the story involved because it wasn't for the Intercontinental title. It wasn't a, you know, a strong heel versus baby face dynamic. But honestly, that might be the better of the two. Uh, hmm. King of the Ring 1993, definitely worth checking out. And then the main event's Brett versus Bam Bam Bigelow, where they told a big guy, little guy story, and it was a hell of a match also. Bam Bam Bigelow. Another underrated one. Oh, there. God, yeah. Uh, another sequel uh, I know Josh and I were talking about, too. Did you ever check out uh, Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 21? No, but I've heard about it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, at that point, Kurt Angle was on fire. Shawn was a couple years into his comeback, and everybody knew that you know Shawn Michaels was Shawn Michaels. So that was a dream match, right? Yeah. Those two guys went out there at WrestleMania 21, killed it, stole the show. It was fantastic. Well, they had a rematch at Vengeance Again, I think it was a June or a July pay-per-view. One of those kind of in-between ones between WrestleMania and SummerSlam where, you know, you don't want to say they're killing time or killing space, but it was. They were just getting the pay-per-view buys and trying to get some good matches out there. So Sean and Kurt had their rematch at Vengeance, and you could argue that that one was a little bit better. Nobody talks about that one. Nobody talks about the rematch. People will still remember the first Sean and Kurt match. Hmm. So just some of those sequels that, that were the rematches that – kind of get swept under the rug no it's probably in most cases the first one was probably badass it's probably that, that's usually how people feel about movies also yeah you know sequels the usually sequels aren't don't good. live up to the to the originals but uh in some cases they do and those are just a couple off the top of my head that yeah i, th- I thought either were as good or surpassed the original i mean uh the only other underrated ones i could think of that's that's the first ever ladder match I wrote down for ninety two, but I never got to actually watch it. Well, let's check it out. I uh, I remember seeing it, but it was oh. a while ago. Shawn Michaels versus Mankind at Mind Game. Oh my God! Yeah, that is a must see. That is that a must. When I actually watched, and that was a more hardcore Shawn Michaels than I had, that I had was, seen, especially that was, in that. That was time the time period. where it was like the Shawn. We know he's awesome, but let's see how tough he is. Sort of deal. Uh, it was in Philadelphia. Hardcore crowd even back in that day in 96. Mm. ECW actually was there. Uh, man, that was a hell of a match. And if See, I, I don't know. I think, again, being underrated or overrated is kind of subjective. For somebody like me that's followed wrestling my whole life, I've always known about that match. And yeah. I've always known, like, yeah, if you haven't seen that, you should see it. It's definitely worth watching. But it's not a match that necessarily gets talked about. It's not, not at all. Yeah, it's not one of those all-time classics that people talk about, but it should be. Sean, was, Sean took a beating in that one. Oh, it was a hell of a match. It was sort of Mick Foley, though. But you're already searching for it, so I guess I'll get right into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm getting it, getting it queued up here. Which I'm uh, glad you are. Uh, we'll do we'll watch from the beginning. We'll just kind of tab it to our match here. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, go ahead and tell the folks what your choice is for our watch-along. This one was a little shorter, so I figured it, we figured it'd be better for the watch-along. But... Uh, RVD versus Jeff Hardy for the hardcore title at Invasion 2001. You sure you don't want to watch Nick Patrick and Earl Hebner? <laughs> I, I, totally, I totally did not but, uh, remember that. I don't know if it's here. underrated. But I'd be down. Yeah, it's more mid card. Actually, maybe it's towards the end. There it there is. We go. All right. 
Wow, the we got, we got Hardcore Holly at WAF New York. Or no, the, the restaurant is what it was, I believe. All right, so we'll, we'll click pause here so everybody can uh, take a minute to jump on. Yeah, it looks like we're at, what does that say, 122.34, and it is the, it looks like the third to last match on yeah. the show. Uh, we got Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler versus Trish Status and Lita. Might watch that on my own later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. In the main event, the Alliance versus Team WF is is after this. Yeah. So we're at 122.34 on Invasion 2001. Uh, before we get started, man, what was your uh, memories of the Invasion angle? Like, it Definitely, um, I think, in retrospect, could have been handled a lot better. Actually, I have a... a pretty decent story i was let's, in let's do it california visiting my dad mm -hmm. when this was happening mm -hmm. and it was the only time i ever asked him to or we're he giving ever a, we're giving a shout out to big phil thomas out there yeah thanks dad for <laughs> 2001 buying this pay-per-view for me <laughs> and the place he lived he had a, a home theater okay with a, with a 10 foot screen on the wall so i was able to watch this in there with surround sound and everything it was like i was there yeah that, that's that's amazing. That would be amazing today, 2018, not to mention in 2001. And this was a big, kind of a big deal because it was the invasion of sure. ECW and WCW sure. and the WWE. So I was down. I actually still have this pay-per-view recorded on a VHS tape that I recorded that night. Awesome. And uh, so I have very fond memories of this. Although the invasion angle could have been done way better. Sure. It was still exciting at the time. So. Yeah. And then, so you got some fond memories going back. For sure. All right. Well, hopefully everybody's ready to go. We're at 122.34. It's the third to last match. We're going to watch Rob Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy. Click play now. All right. Exciting. RVD, man. RVD was so hot at this era. Like, he was the ECW brand in those in those latter years of ECW. I mean, it was always the you, you can't wait for what RVD was going to do next, innovative offense. Yeah. And really like I wouldn't call it a ripoff cuz their styles weren't exactly the same at all, but everybody knew the daredevil that Jeff Hardy was. Yeah, for sure. Back in that at that time. So to get these two guys together almost seemed like a no-brainer once you got the ECW guys on board. For sure. For sure. Not only that, but so many colors in this match. We got tiger stripes and colored hair. These guys were kind of the, the two cool dudes of the time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this is 2001, man. Style was different, but you had, yeah, <laughs> laid back, <laughs> airbrushed RVD. Looking like Tony the fucking tiger or something. <laughs> A little bit. Meets Stone Cold Steve Austin with the skull on his chest. But, Yeah. Uh, man, there's losing that crowd reaction for Jeff Hardy here. Uh, dude, they were so over then. They're still over. That's yeah, back that's when the pretty they, cool set, man. I was about to, just about to say this is when they started doing like real extravagant Titantrons. Mm -hmm. Before it was pretty much just the same basic thing, but with different screens. Yeah, they just showed that uh, pre-match angle with Van Damme. You know, they were trying to get all these. WCW and ECW guys over as super heels. But, you know, it was tough with a guy like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Tough with a guy like RVD where, you know, people were really excited to see him here. They knew that this match was going to be nonstop action. So I think they tried whatever they could to, to establish RVD as the heel going in. It was it was real real technical in the beginning. Like, I, 
within the first few minutes too, he they kind of fuck each other up. Uh, ah, well, I like that. Uh, yeah, it was well known about RVD. If you were in an RVD match, those fists and those kicks, they were going to be coming, man. There. <laughs> well, I, I can't remember where it is. I know it's not too far in, but Jeff gets dropped on his head pretty. Oh man, pretty heinously. We're talking some underrated matches. Uh, again, when I tell you these two guys on paper, you're going to say, "Well, of course that was good." But uh, about a year from now, SummerSlam 02, we got RVD against Chris Benoit. Intercontinental title match. Uh. Again, I tell you those two guys, of course that's good. But how many times have you heard that being mentioned as an all-time classic match? Yeah, well, it being Benoit, that's going to be a hard one. In, yeah. Anywhere in the public light or acknowledged well, yeah, from WWE dif- themselves. Difficult, difficult kind of going back and talking about Benoit matches. But at the time, I remember loving that match. And if you go back and watch it again, those two dudes just beat the shit out of each other. It's Believe that. Now, I see we got a note for that Triple H Taka Mishinoku match. That was that was one that came up a lot of times during my research, and I didn't get a chance to check that one out. I couldn't find it. It would be no. hard to find a Raw, just a random Raw from 2000. Didn't tell you the month. Uh, I'll do a little more research. Get a little deeper into that Google search, Mark. I guess I'd have to. Pulling this match up, right? You're pulling this. Uh, oh, Rock versus Chris Benoit, fully loaded 2000 was on there. I didn't get it right. There were so many underrated matches oh, at yeah. two sides. Rolling Thunder, can't go wrong there. Yeah. Uh, this match from Meltzer gets four stars. Uh, I really truly believe we're not going to have any trouble getting to that rate. It was, it was the best match on the show. The main event got three and a half. It's the only okay. thing that even approached it. Yeah, I imagine this one wasn't too highly rated, this uh, this pay-per-view. Well, what was how widely criticized about the WCW Invasion was is that, you know, you wanted to get the stars. Now, granted, WCW had some good wrestlers, you know, come over. They had, you know, Mike Awesome and Canyon and uh, oh. Lance Storm. Some good wrestlers came along. But, you know, the dream matches was Stone Cold versus Goldberg. It was, you know, well, The Rock versus Hogan eventually did happen. But, yeah. you you know, Sting versus The Undertaker. These were the matches Seeing that the people. the outsiders come back. Cut, right. These are the matches that people wanted. And they just didn't get anything like that at all. No, they the gave stars you Booker T and... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Palumbo. Chuck Palumbo. DDP uh, came along. Guys that really want to come in there and wrestle and establish their brand further, which was great. But uh, what it was was that those guys had contracts that they were going to get paid to sit at home. So your Hulk Hogan, your Goldbergs, and your Stings. Oh. Yeah. Not sure what they were going through there, but it works. See, with (laughs) with these guys, even the botches looked good. Because everything was so high impact, man. Everything was just... You know, Hardy always did that running the railing deal. So whatever RVD did, just running and knocking him off was just take hey, a crazy bump and you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, <laughs> that actually reminds me of something we talked about earlier. What? It's completely off the subject, so I'll just throw it out there. But the Tommaso versus Champa match, that dude in the crowd with the sign and the stop sign inside his sign. Oh yeah, <laughs> he hits the guy with the sign, and you're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Like, that was definitely set up, but I just thought that was so strange. And just this whole segment here just reminded me of that. That was nice. I mean, RVD was a was parkour before parkour existed, man. Oh, yeah. Dude, he's, oh, yeah. anywhere he could plant, he was flipping off of. Oh, that's right. The hardcore title was False Count Anywhere. False Count Anywhere. 
He's probably stoned during this match. Looks, <laughs> he definitely looks high. These guys had a rematch the next month. It was SummerSlam 2001, and it was a ladder match for the hardcore title. And I remember going in thinking, man, this match is so great. Like, how great would a ladder match be? Mm. And I remember being a little underwhelmed. I, I just looked it up. Meltzer gave that three and a half stars. So he did rate it a little bit lower than this one. But I remember uh, previously just feeling a, a lot better about this match than that ladder match. Of course, this being the first match was really, really excited to see what these two could do together. Yeah. I remember this being pretty slick. Little mm. spinning kick. That was also like a spinning leg drop. And, w and the thing was, is he hit that pretty often in ECW. But ECW at that point was just, I mean, it was a big indie. It was really what Ring of Honor is. Now it wasn't, you know, they had some national TV exposure with TNN, but it didn't draw well. If, if you ever watch the rise and fall of ECW, you'll know why. So a lot of these fans maybe had heard of Rob Van Dam, but not necessarily seen his whole repertoire of, of moves, and they're really into his shit here. Yeah. I remember he first came around, everybody was asking if he was related to Jean-Claude. <laughs> There's like, a no. slight resemblance. A little bit. A little bit. I don't know. I always looked at RVD, and it just screamed. He just screamed like late 80s, early 90s to me. <laughs> like he should be on the beach lifting weights. Well, that was pretty much him. Yeah, like <laughs> smoking a dube. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Oh, that man, that's Bad. a rough bump. Yeah. They got a mat there. Yeah, and that's going to absorb some of it, but there's just no give to concrete. It's still solid, yeah. And I've taken some bumps on the floor, but I mean, you figure the impact coming off the apron like that. Mm. Dude, I've. I've jumped on my bed a little too hard. You yeah. know what I mean? And you feel it. You feel it in your bones, <laughs> yeah. right? Damn. That's a that gargantuan is, ladder. <laughs> it really is. 20-foot ladder, I think. I don't know if it's really 20 feet, but it's probably close. You can probably reach 20 feet on that ladder. You And then you got to figure where your eye level is. That's what I always tell people, just how the top rope is scary. Uh, I mean, look how far you're looking down at this point. Oh. This. Just, fuck it, I'm going to just push your ass over. And then he's oh my lamps right on the ramp. And you know the thing is, is somebody like you know some of the crazy bumps that you see later, where you go through tables and some that's actually like designed to be a big extravagant bump. Mm. That one right there is terrifying. Yeah, that's just that's, that's just, just straight falling onto the ground. <laughs> Your body's no not meant to do that. No. I love it because a lot of times you'll see him climbing the ladder and you set up this big extravagant spot. I Man, sometimes you climb a giant ladder, just push that fucker off. Yep. You put yep. like that. That's there's some logic involved. There's velocity in at that point too. You're hitting the ground even faster. Ooh. Ooh, that was a good one. And 
those chair shots. No, they never feel good. They they, they, they can't. They those are real chairs. Yeah, and sometimes I mean you you get a steel chair. You want to find what's a little bit lighter than heavier because those heavy ones, man, will just really jar your bones. But you, but even those lighter ones, they still sting. Oh, the Van Damme. That was so good. Knocked him off the stage. See, and those headshots with the chairs, man, some of them looked so bad. They probably were really bad. Well, I, we we talked in a prior episode about concussions and knowing what we know now, and it's a good thing because back then, man, everything extreme was just such a hot-button thing back then. Everything was extreme, and, man, make it look real. Take those shots to the head. You'll be all right. Yeah. And knowing the research we know now, no, you end up not being all right. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be all right. Watch that. The Rock versus Mankind, Royal I'd Rubble, nineteen ninety nine. Oh god, the I Quit match. I'd rather not. That is probably the most brutal match I've ever seen. What did that end up being? I think eleven or twelve chair shots, unprotected. Yeah, they agreed to like three, and yeah. he did like so anywhere from nine to eleven or something like nine that's, to twelve. That's insanity. He couldn't even defend himself. He had handcuffs on. Yeah. Oh, I'm really enjoying this match. A lot of times, you know, you figure these two guys and what they're known for, they would just transition maybe from big move to big move to big move. Mm. And while there has been some big spots, the fighting in between seems pretty legit. Just, to, you know, Rob Van Dam pushing him off the ladder and then coming towards him and Jeff just having that ladder nearby and throwing it up in his face. I like that sort of stuff. It, it makes you feel like, no, this is a real fight. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're mixing their technical more high fly type stuff with the like brutal hardcore brawling yeah it's a nice mix of both this is just Ugh. cool that was a total skateboarder movie like he has a surfer on the beach yeah and i try not to be overly critical and things like that because i i want to enjoy what i see but there are some times where you got the guy down he's laying on the mat for For 30 seconds, a minute, while you're setting up, say, two, three, four tables and a ladder, and it's like you could have just pinned him. Yeah. Oh, that DDT take. I I, I try to... uh, That's a beautiful DDT. I try to mirror the RVD DDT bump. Mm. Shut the guy. There is oh, jeez. Wow. If I remember correctly, the finish to this match is kind of a classic thing you don't see much of anymore. Well, let's not spoil it for our no, I'm not gonna. watchers along, anybody who wants to participate in this with us. But, uh, no, I, I look forward to it. Always oh, bleeding from the forehead. That Which, was again, again, yeah, it looks like it's probably a hard way because it's uh, not a big... Not a gusher by any means, but no. I mean, you can only have a chair flying through your, you know, by your head so many times. Those backsides of those chairs are pretty heinous. Oh God, yeah. Woo! Just got out in the nick of time. That can't feel good. No, it's a long way down to crash like that. I'm right, gonna look five here star we here. Go. Looking like a little monkey. Oh. 
See, and that's the hardcore title. That thing's all broken and sharp and shit. That's going to do it. Man, oh There man. was. There was. And that's that classic finish you don't see much of anymore. Laying the belt on him. There was another match that was only what, about 11, 12 minutes, but just nonstop action through yeah. and through. I mean, that that's a hell of a match there that I remember watching back in the day now. But, like, at the time when I was looking it up, I was like, really? I don't remember this. But as I was watching it, it just all started coming back to me. What was good about this match is that these guys had a couple more matches, and you knew that they could up the crazy. Yeah. <laughs> as we were mentioning earlier, you know, it's, Jeff could jump off some, some more ladders and some tables, and they could they could really up the, the, the spectacle of what they were doing. This match felt like a fucking fight. Yeah, for ten minutes with the you know, each guy knowing that they could go high risk, and Jeff went for one and it didn't work out. RVD went for his and it did. That was a hell of a match. Four stars, easy. I, I agree completely with Meltzer sure. on this one. And if folks hasn't haven't seen this one before, should go and check it out. Yeah, no, I could have said it better myself, sir. This match was phenomenal. Well, man, I uh, I hope uh, everybody listening or watching at home. Got a, a got some motivation to maybe fire up the network, check out some of the underrated matches that we suggested. And again, it, we're only a, it's only a Google search away. You know, underrated matches on the network. We all we were covering WWF uh, for this run, but of course, there's all the WCW and ECW stuff on there as well. Yeah. Just a plethora, just so much stuff that's available right at your fingertips to watch. So if you got a favorite wrestler and you know all his classics, say your Bret Hart's, your Shawn Michaels, even your Stone Cold Steve Austin's, you know all the classics, man, go try to dig a little deeper. Find some of those underrated, those hidden gems. So much good stuff available. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Take a couple of hours maybe and check out some classic matches that don't get talked about as often. Yeah, yeah. Drop a comment or something. Let us know what you think. Let us know some overrated or underrated matches. You please, yeah, please do. Uh, some underrated matches again. Hey, if it's something in the air that Mark wasn't watching, anything before Rumble ninety or uh, Rumble two thousand sixteen, hit him up. Give him some suggestions. Yeah, yeah. That would be wonderful. Give give me some suggestions. Maybe a match that uh, I need to take a second look at, or if you feel if you disagree with uh, some of our comments, let us know. For sure. Let us know anything. We're just glad you're watching. We are. We're glad you're watching, listening. Don't forget, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review. If you uh, get a moment, we would truly, truly appreciate it. Yep. Uh, tell your friends. Figure if uh, anybody out there wanted to hear a couple dudes talk wrestling, you want to get a fan's and an inside perspective on wrestling, I think this is the place to be. For sure. No doubt about that. All right, well, we're going to uh, come back with you here shortly. I think we're going to get some content ready to lock and load. But until then, bye, Internet. <laughs>